Good morning. If you have a Bible, that's good. And uh, if you open it, that's even better. So if you uh, would open it with me to Matthew chapter 1. I love seeing the children participating and uh, blesses my heart, fills my heart with joy, actually. And it was great to see them. Both last week and this week, it's been a real treat. I'm just going to read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is a a part of the Bible that is often neglected. People see, oh, it's Jesus' family tree. And they say, well, that is like watching paint dry. I don't like reading that and uh, because it's someone that begets somebody. Uh, but it's an important part, and it will hopefully I can this morning uh, help us all to see its value as we look at baby Jesus. Let's just read. I'm just going to read a few of the verses here. As I say, it's the genealogy, the family tree of Jesus, and there are three events or people, sorry, two uh, people and one event that I would want you uh, to particularly uh, focus on. Uh, one is David and one is Abraham. And it's going to talk about a deportation to Babylon in verse 12. That's the exile of Israel. And then in verse 16, we're going to see how all of that All of these people lead uh, to the birth of Jesus Christ. Verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Sarah, by Tamar and Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Minadab, and Aminadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king." Then there are more and more uh, children. The family tree grows to verse 12. The nation of Israel is exiled. And here it says, verse 12, actually in verse 11, And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Then go down to verse 16. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus Christ was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon, to the Christ, 14 generations. Please turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. Reading about the wise men's visit to baby Jesus. 
Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, O you, O Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Aaron summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into that house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their, their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in the dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for the return of a time when a, the church can come and worship together. We thank you for the freedom in our country that we can do this. We pray that that freedom would continue. We pray for our government. We ask, O oh God, that, uh, that you will help them, help them in all their decisions, keep them from evil, help them to judge righteously, help them to bring forth legislation that is good uh, for your children, for your glory and honor in this land. And we pray, O oh God, for our farmers uh, who still have crops in the field, O oh God, that you will help them to harvest them, uh, give them the right weather, and, uh, and protect the crops from uh, being hurt. And Lord, we pray for that heart today that is troubled, that's weighed down. And Lord, we pray today that, they, that all of us would be able to come and lay our burdens down at your feet, and that we will rest in your kindness, your patience, your faithfulness to each one of us. Help, O oh God, 
the mind that is troubled today, troubled with fear, frightened of the future, grant them your peace. And Lord, we pray today as you open your word to our hearts and minds, Lord, that that word would find a place in our heart that it will be warmly and richly received, that we will obey and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. All God's people said, amen. Uh, This morning, we are going to focus on the glory of God's faithfulness and patience. That is found in the giving of baby Jesus by God. I hope to trace through history this morning and show God's kind determination. His faithfulness in the sending of his son, baby Jesus, despite the annoyance of some of his children, that is, God's children. Yes, God's children can annoy God, and I'm one of them. And also his kind determination, his patience, his faithfulness to his promise of sending his son, despite the evil intent and bent of mankind. So throughout the sermon, I'm going to ask you to pretend now. Pretend that you are the creator who has made heaven and earth and everything owes its its existence and its life and the maintenance of its life to you. And I would ask that when you think of that, as we're going through this history and thinking about how God has responded throughout history to mankind, that you would say... Ask yourself, would the annoyance and the frustration that mankind has given you, that you would have, one, either destroyed them and started off brand new, or would you have been like God who has been faithful and patient? with mankind. Even though, in the end, they would reject the very son that you sent. After Adam's sin, God's promise of a promised child that we looked at last week, arising out of Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, There's this promise of a child who will come and who will come and defeat evil. 
After that, we don't hear of a promised child until Abraham. Many centuries later, Abraham comes, and it's to him that God fulfills or continues to fill, fulfill his promise of sending this promised child, who we know is Jesus. Before that time, we have God looking on Cain, the firstborn of Adam and Eve. He destroys, he murders his brother Abel. And then you have the flood, the destruction of the flood, where there's just one family that is saved throughout all that time. Yet God still, even though the world was absolutely corrupt, God had still spared one man, Noah, and his family in order that this child could be born. And we even see mankind with their bent towards or away from God, trying to create their own religion, their own religion of self-glorification. And they set up a place uh, that was called the Tower of Babel, where they seek to put off God and form their own religion. And God judges them as a result. But even though the world is so opposed to God, God and his faithfulness, faithfulness to his promise, grants Abraham and Sarah who are too old to have children, yet God performs this miracle that Abraham and Sarah have a child whose name is Isaac. Now, that's the first mention of a child, this promised child since Adam and Eve. This child, throughout the uh, scriptures, it will who he is and what he's about becomes even clearer as the years and years pass on. And we'll talk about that in a second. Abraham produces, as I said, Isaac, and Isaac produces Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel, and from him the nation of Israel arises. From now on, this promised child will have to come through the nation of Israel. And because of that, God has to overshadow, watch over this nation and make sure that in order to fulfill his promise that they are not destroyed. This nation, Israel, uh, would be brought under slavery in the land of Egypt through the king, the pharaoh of Egypt at that time. He would be very cruel. He would make life miserable for them. He would, uh, God would deliver them. And we read that in Exodus. And there's this Passover where, where God delivers them, but he destroys all the firstborn of Egypt in order that Egypt will release the children of Israel. And as they're crossing over the Red Sea, who is following, pursuing them, but Pharaoh. He's intent on destroying them all. But God 
comes to their aid and protects them. And then you have them wandering through the wilderness, the nation of Israel, provoking God to anger with idolatry and adultery and not obeying him really at all. And God is so upset with them that not one of them that came across from that Red Sea enters into the promised land that God had promised them. And God is really annoyed, but he still is faithful to his promise. And then you have the nation moving into the promised land and all the nations there wanting to destroy them, eradicate them from the earth. Who protected them? God. Why? Because God is faithful to his promises. And then you have the time of the judges. And in the book of the judges, there's a just a real slope downwards towards evil. A constant moving away from God. And God sends them a judge after a judge after judge to bring them to repentance. And they would have a little bit of a, uh, of a good moment where they are following the Lord. Then they fall down again. Same what happened after David. Now, David, in David, the king is one of the reasons I read uh, Matthew 1. He's one of those chief characters. He's given a promise of a child, too, that would sit on the throne of Israel forever. And this is the same child that is prophesied in Genesis 3 to Adam and Eve. So this is... After David, the nation again falls down into sin. It's a sad, sad situation. There's just, God sends them prophet after prophet to bring them back. He gives them that prophecy that we read in Isaiah chapter 7, that there will be a child born that we'll call Emmanuel. That gives us another picture or a development of who this child is. This Emmanuel means God with us. So you have that, and then you hear in Matthew, or Isaiah 9, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and it talks about the government shall be upon his throne. He will be the Prince of Peace, wonderful, mighty God, the everlasting Father. We get a further development of whom God has been faithful to it and as promised would come. But there's still a general bent away from God. God would get so upset with the nation that he would send them into exile, into Babylon. Was all lost because they were in exile? Babylon is 2,700 kilometers from Jerusalem. They are refugees there. They are in a land where they worship idols. They have not their own religion to go to on a Saturday or a Friday night or uh, as we do on a Sunday morning. 
Was God still able with all of that distance in all of those circumstances of being in a country that did not worship God? Is God able in all of those instances still to keep his promise? The answer is yes, he is able. Now, I want you to, uh, this Christmas, uh, and my, my theme is the glory of God in Jesus Christ, in the sending of Jesus Christ. I want you to see God's glory here, but I also want you to look and be like a person reading a book for the first time, reading a story, and you are in it, and you are a believer in it. And as you see the story unfold, you are asking the question, would I still have believed in God's faithfulness throughout all of this history? Would I have still held on to the promise of God with all of these things that have happened since Adam and Eve? What does God do in his faithfulness? There's a new king in the Bab Babylonia area. It has been taken over by the Medo-Persian Empire, and the king is called King Cyrus. All of a sudden, he makes a decree that all of Israel who are in Babylon be allowed to go back into Israel... And this promise of this child goes with them back into Israel. And that's very important that they're there. God was able to move on Cyrus's heart and provoke him to make this happen. Even though Cyrus is not a believer in God. The nation, they hand back into the nation and the nation after nation attacks Israel all during that time. And finally, they are invaded by the Roman Empire and taken over by them. Now, was God still able to be faithful to his promise of sending a child? Would you still have believed that God was able to do that? I think if you were back then, things would have looked pretty dark and hopeless. But despite these insurmountable odds, God uses the very power of Rome. We didn't read it today, but I hope many and most of you are familiar with it. It's found in Luke 2 where Caesar Augustus, who is in Rome, who is over 3,000 kilometers away, makes a decree that affects Joseph and Mary in Nazareth and causes them to move into to, uh, Bethlehem, which is 150 kilometers south. God does this to fulfill a promise that he made through the prophet Micah. 
that the child would be born in Bethlehem. So much time, so many obstacles, so many enemies, so much sin, and yet his promise is fulfilled. But even with the birth of Jesus, there is still those out there who want to destroy the child. And we read about King Herod. King Herod doesn't say, whoopee, he's finally born. Let's put a, uh, have a party. Let's have a parade. Let's have the children get up singing. None of that. These wise men come from the east. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? They get it. They want it. But his own people are rejecting him. Herod wants to put him to death, and he sends in his soldiers into Bethlehem, and every child two years old and younger is slaughtered. Has God not had enough? Would you have had enough? What keeps God persistent is the glory of his faithfulness. This is Christmas time, so let's say you are a child who has got a Lego set for Christmas. It's a huge Lego set. And it comes with the design and I still like playing with Lego. That's why you have grandchildren, so you can play with Lego. And, and you, you have this design, I mean, and you've got uh, the, the picture on the box has two castles and moats and catapults and an army of archers and uh, knights riding on horses. And, I mean, it's spectacular in my mind, the design. And then you get the parts out of the box and you start putting it together. And as you're putting it together, it keeps falling apart. Nothing sticks. Nothing fits. It just keeps breaking and falling down. And after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, you say, what? I give up. I've had enough. This is either going into the recycle bin or back to the store, that, wherever it came from. I'm not going to put up with it. But God, God who designed and created this universe and everything within it owns its next breath, the next beat of your heart, the very energy you have in your body. You think that just comes from you? You ever think about that? Like what makes us get up and move? There's this energy within us, and that comes from God Almighty. We were born because of Him and His power, we continue because of Him and His power. 
within us, believer or unbeliever. Our existence belongs to him. And he created this universe, this world that is beautiful. Despite we see that there's something not right with it. We see that in the hurricanes. We see it in the earthquakes. We see it in volcanoes and so forth. There's something wrong. We see it in nature where there is uh, fighting. And, and we see it in mankind where there's wars and there's uh, so much conflict and disease. We know that there's something wrong. But it's still beautiful. And it reflects back to our creator. Who is so, so beautiful. His mind is absolutely awesome. So I ask you. What would you have done if you were God? I know I don't have that patience. I knew, I, I don't think I would have got past Adam and Eve. Why would I send my son to this lot? Why? Because God is glorious. His character is perfectly balanced. His character is full of kindness, patience, and he cannot but be faithful. He is absolutely glorious in his faithfulness. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. He is absolutely. Faithful. And we know that. Because of Christmas. God did not give up in the sending of his son. But I'm going to end on this now. Is there something now that I can take personally into my life, into my struggles, even into my joys? Is there something I can take from the glory of God's faithfulness that will help me day by day? God has promised he will never leave you nor forsake you. If you're his child, he will never leave you nor forsake you. He has promised that he will be with you and he will work things out for your good. Do you believe it? When you're going through it, you get the bad news. Do you believe it? Will you believe it for these children? Your grandchildren. 
Will you believe it for your parents, your grandma and grandma, that God will be faithful to his promises because he is all glorious and cannot be anything but faithful? Isn't that wonderful? You can take that with whatever you're going through today. Whatever's happening to you in your life, the Lord will be faithful to you. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you are glorious, beautiful beyond description. You are the one that we can trust, the one that we can believe in, the one who has proven himself patient, kind, and faithful. Help us, O oh God, to believe. Help those who are struggling right now with unbelief in their hearts, even if they call themselves your children. Help them to believe in you, that you cannot be anything but faithful. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Amen.